0: Welcome to the Foresight Health Roundup podcast, Foresight Health's podcast series for healthcare revolutionaries. Outcomes matter, customers count, and value rules. Hello again, everyone. This is Dave Burdick, news editor at Foresight Health. It is Thursday, April 20th. This Saturday is Earth Day. I hope you do something Saturday and every day to save our environment. The last time I checked, we only have one of those, so let's not screw it up. What is screwed up is the tax-exempt status of not-for-profit hospitals and health systems. And that's what we're going to talk about on today's show. Specifically, we're going to talk about a new report comparing the value of hospital tax exemptions to the amount of charity care they provide, and a new report comparing the value of hospital tax exemptions to the amount of community investments they make. To tell us what these reports mean for healthcare and consumers moving forward are Dave Johnson, founder and CEO of Foresight Health, and Julie Merchantsen, partner at Transformation Capital. Hi, Dave. Hi, Julie. How are you guys doing this morning, Dave? Well, Dave, I'm chuckling about Earth Day.
1: When I was a junior in high school, some of the hip girls in my class persuaded me to join them on a 26.2 mile fundraising walk for Earth Day. Don't know how much money we raised, but feet sure got tired. I wonder how much social justice activity among young people occurs because they want to hang out with people they're attracted to. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I think that's been going on for a while. <laughs> yeah. uh, thanks, Dave. Julie, how are you?
2: I'm well. I'm in beautiful, sunny Laguna. Oh, Any break from a little bit of rain in Seattle and back at the Health Evolution Group. You know, it's fun.
0: It's good. Good for you. Thank you. Uh, Before we talk about these two new reports on hospital tax exemptions, let's talk about your pro-environment behavior. Uh, we know a little bit about your past, but uh, Saturday (laughs) is Earth Day. Uh, What are you doing to celebrate? I think I'm going to eat some psilocybin
1: mushrooms. Just kidding. Uh, Rachel Carson's book, Silent Spring, is what led to the creation of Earth Day uh, in 1970. Uh, spring is anything but silent in Chicago right now. It's busting out all over. Rhododendrons and dogwood trees are blooming. New shoots are sprouting from the ground. Robins have appeared. Delicious new scents in the air. It's wonderful. Based on your question, Dave, I think I'll take a moment on Saturday to appreciate spring, which, as I've become older, has become my favorite season. There's power and rebirth.
0: Good for you. Thanks, Dave. Julie, uh, really, how green are you?
2: Well, I uh, will say that I have lived in some extraordinarily green areas in San Francisco and Seattle. And oh, when my kids have gone to visit a place that doesn't compost, like municipal composting, they don't know what to do with the food scraps. Like, what do we do with them? <laughs> do we put them in the trash? So we are so hardwired to composting. But I will say, our family has many conversations about these things. For instance, We didn't know for years that if you take your paper milk carton and you try to flatten it and separate the cap from the milk carton, the caps become trash. They can no longer recycle those. So you have to screw the cap back on the milk carton. So many, many a conversation at the merchants and family table about how to properly recycle.
0: It's interesting because uh, you know, our kids do the same with us about what we can and can't put in the recycle bin. So uh, it's always a lesson. Uh, one time I threw out a plastic six-pack ring without cutting it up and I thought uh, someone was going to cut me <laughs> up. You know, all three of them jumped on me. I don't know if they wanted my wallet, but it was really about cutting up the plastic. So it was behavioral modification at its best. Save the Dolphins. Save the dolphins, right? That's right, that's right. Yeah, uh, I think the next generation's got this down. So I'm optimistic about it. The thing I'm less optimistic about is sort tax exemptions. So let's talk about that. The uh, Kaiser Family Foundation is out with a new report that said the value of tax exemptions enjoyed by not-for-profit hospitals in 2020 was $28.1 billion. Now that's a lot of coin. Half was in federal tax exemptions, like no federal income tax. The other half was in state tax exemptions, like no local property taxes. By comparison, hospitals provided $16 billion in charity care in 2020, or more than $12 billion less than the value of their tax exemptions. Dave, do the numbers surprise you? What can we do from a policy perspective to close that gap? And how does closing that gap help consumers?
1: Oh, you're just poking me, Dave. You know these numbers (laughs) don't
0: surprise me.
1: I'm a broken record on this topic. Remember broken records, you know, when it would go over, (laughs) repeat and repeat and repeat. Uh, The Kaiser methodology actually understates the value of tax exemption because it excludes potential tax revenues from investment income, capital gains, and asset sales. Those are all forms of non-operating income. So my estimate when you put that on top of the 28 billion is the societal cost of tax exemption for hospitals is closer to 40 billion. You know, any way you cut that, that's a lot of Benjamins. Entire industry has emerged to justify the value of tax exemption for hospitals offset by reports like the two we're discussing today that try to bring transparency and clarity to the policy debate. Uh, This topic certainly employs a lot of professionals. On that, uh, societal cost of tax exemption is only half of the equation. The other half, of course, is the estimated cost of providing charity care. Tax-exempt hospitals don't fare well on this metric either, as several studies have documented for-profit hospitals that actually pay taxes dedicate a higher percentage of their operating revenue to charity care than nonprofit hospitals that of course don't pay taxes. How screwed up is that? Uh, and if we could square the costs and benefits of tax exemption under the current system, it wouldn't come close to meeting the health and healthcare needs of the medically underserved populations in the US. That's what the proxy charity care is supposed to be measuring. And it doesn't take Einstein to realize that affluent communities have too much access to healthcare services while low income communities, both urban and rural, have far too little. Uh, had to get to the policy discussion eventually, right, Dave? Right. <laughs> <laughs> In the utter failure of the current system to serve the healthcare needs of low income communities, I think it's time to scrap the tax exempt status of nonprofit hospitals uh, and remain nonprofit, but they should start paying taxes. Taxing all hospitals equally would eliminate the subsidy benefit gap that you mentioned and clearly exists today. It would also provide vital funding for governments to make investments that promote better access to health and healthcare services. Besides, as a nation, we have far too much investment in health care. I mean, really sick care and nowhere near enough investment in population health. Any economist will tell you that if society wants less of something, it should tax it. Look at cigarettes. The policy concept is simple. America needs less health care and more health executing on this concept is complicated but certainly not impossible honestly this is what gives customer revolution in healthcare its moral force we the american people deserve far better treatment from our healthcare system than we currently receive outcomes matter customers count value rules these aren't mere slogans these are the cornerstones of underlying progressive healthcare policies that can create a happier more equitable and prosperous America. Save the earth. I mean, it's Earth Day. And while we're at it, let's fix healthcare. How about it?
0: Yeah. Doubleheader. That's great, Dave. Thank you. Uh Julie, any questions for Dave?
2: Okay, Dave. I don't know if you saw the article about the suggested relationship between, you know, effectively governance and this issue, 46% increase in trustees who are compensated at non-profit hospitals between 2011 and 2019. And as that has shifted, there's been a 21% drop in charity care for the same period. So this article suggesting there's a relationship. What do you think of that? Do you think that's actually really happening?
1: I'm generally in favor of compensating members at non-profit health systems. And that's because often non-profit boards are too large they're philanthropically oriented rather than business oriented, and they lack vital expertise. And it's hard sometimes to get board members to, but they're all, funny thing about compensation, when you pay people to do something, they generally are more uh, responsive to doing it. On the issue of, is paying board members a causal factor in declining parity care? I mean, if there is correlation, we're talking about small numbers. I I don't think that's causation.
0: Anyway, we'd need a lot more study before reaching that conclusion. Thanks, Dave. Now let's talk about this other report, this one from the Lowne Institute. The Institute released its annual fair share report that compares the value of hospital tax exemptions with the value of the benefits they provide to their communities. 1,773 hospitals were included in the report. 1,365, or 77%, of those hospitals ran a fair share deficit in 2020, meaning that the value of their community investments fell short of the value of their tax exemptions. The total deficit for those hospitals in terms of dollars was $14.2 billion. Uh, Julie, do the numbers add up? Uh, can we do from a market perspective to close that gap? And how does closing that gap help consumers?
2: First, I love a good headline. And what I read here was that the total fair share deficit of $14.2 billion was enough to relieve the medical debt of 18 million Americans or prevent 600 at-risk hospitals from closing. So we're talking about a lot of money. And when you put it in those, those terms, uh, people get the magnitude and it also makes for latest headline. I also love a little uh, like shaming and celebration. So I had a lot of fun looking at the list of those who are performing the worst and the best here. And for the win on having uh, the largest fair share deficit, uh, PMC in Pittsburgh. I guess it's UPMC Presbyterian had the largest at two hundred forty-six million. That alone could have erased 167,000 medical deaths and prevented 248 rural hospitals from closing. So, you know, big numbers. But right behind them was NYU Langone with 173 million, Vanderbilt and Nashville with 158 million. So, you know, these are well-known names. But on the flip side for the good guys, uh, those who have a fair share surplus, shall we say, York uh, Presby. 117 million did a great job there. Nebraska Medical Center with 116 million and Stanford Healthcare, actually, a surplus of 92 million. So, I mean, the list is very interesting to me, I think, uh, see what's happening here. But when I really stepped back from all this, it found this whole analysis to really be a business model question. You know, what falls into a hospital's operations and what is considered community benefit? And while a lot of this is, you know, somewhat defined uh, radically, this report seems to really cherry pick in ways that certainly the AHA did not appreciate. You know, for instance, the AHA claims that Lown cherry picked categories that ignored areas like researching life-saving treatments and cures and training and educating future doctors and nurses. Like I look at training and educating future doctors and nurses Something that could be considered operational, or could be considered an educational program. What is it? Obviously, research. You have to ask yourself what kind of hospital should be doing research, and where should that fall. For uh, you know, doesn't mention uh, essential services that a lot of these hospitals provide, like neonatal units, services that often aren't provided throughout the community. I was intrigued by finding things that talked about what we're now. All talking about with social determinants of health, and a lot of services that are being provided like housing, uh, affordable food, health screenings um, that uh, hospitals and healthcare are taking on more of these days. And are those considered part of their business for population health? To Dave's point, and preventative care. I mean, one could argue either way. So there's a lot here. It's not just about you know them absorbing uncompensated care subsidizing, you know, Medicaid and Medicare expenses. So back to my point, I think that what's happening here is more about the art than the science. But the scary part to me is when Russian Day was really about market mechanisms. And when we look at what's happening more broadly, there's truly a, a cherry picking of some of the most lucrative services that will leave a lot of these hospitals with nothing but some of these our essential services and caring for the poor and underserved. And, you know, if we're headed in that direction, we might be headed in a scary direction.
0: It is interesting. It's kind of like how people do their taxes, right? What can you claim as a deduction?
2: That's right.
0: Any questions for Julie?
1: Julie, I wanted to dig into this uh, market question a little bit. Uh, Hospitals aren't alone in creating negative value in healthcare delivery. Uh, whole healthcare industrial complex uh, does that. Uh, Hospitals are very good at it. And despite all the rhetoric about transformation, uh, sense is that hospital transformation, particularly for nonprofit hospitals, will come primarily from the outside in, from market-based competitors that deliver real value to consumers. Do you agree? And if you do, how will the marketplace rewire nonprofit hospitals during the next five to 10 years? Which institutions will survive and how will they do it? Just small questions, sir. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> 30 seconds, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, go. <laughs> you know me. I definitely agree that uh, market will be, as I was saying, cream the more lucrative services out of not-for-profit and for-profit hospitals, by the way, do it more efficiently with a lot more technology, wrapping humans around what technology can do. And we, you know, will leave a lot of hospitals, especially in urban areas, just caring for populations that are highly government-subsidized or, you know, not covered entirely, which leaves hospitals and health systems in a really dangerous position of not being able to really provide services that communities need without this kind of benefit of, you know, <laughs> having these extra funds. Oh, so, no doubt that that's happening. And what you know when you think about the rural health situation, as soon as we can really reliably figure out for technology enabled remote services that can be paid for and work in remote areas, addressing the workforce challenges that are so often seen in remote care, there will be far less a push for the need for remote hospitals or those hospitals would just become the hotels where people go to have the services that are actually controlled or managed by someone else in an urban setting, right? It's like UC Davis as, you know, Many of the services that are provided in the Truckee Hospital in Tahoe. So, you know, I, th- I know I'm well past my 30 seconds, Berta, but so much here that it could go wrong in not-for-profit hospitals. And a lot of the states are going to be left trying to figure out what to do and how to support the much, much needed services that are left over.
0: Yeah. Had good use of your time there. That was a great, great response. Now, the thing that caught my attention was a Presbyterian hospital was at the top of the naughty list and a Presbyterian hospital was at the top of the nice list. So I don't know what that means about Presbyterians, but uh, yeah.
1: That is a good question. (laughs) What would John
0: Calvin think, right? Um. (laughs) I knew you'd go there, Dave. I knew it. <laughs> this is an old story. I, I was reporting on hospital tax exemption disputes in the late 1980s. Uh, the question is, what is someone going to finally do about it? You know, clearly 40 years of public humiliation and bad press hasn't worked. We'll see. Great discussion. Now let's briefly talk about other big news this week. Uh, Julie, what didn't we mention that we should have?
2: Well, I'm hearing a lot around the health evolution Halls about continued hospital consolidation. It's like Peter is combining with another one of its local ones and uh, smaller combinations, but continued consolidation. And I'm also hearing that the blues effectively defend the fact that 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 Louisiana is not starting a trend. There's not going to be a big consolidation wave going on in the blues. So that's the hubbub I'm hearing.
0: Market Intel, thank you. Uh, What other healthcare news is worth watching? Yeah, the blues. Not
1: starting a trend until it does. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, on our last show, I revealed, the big reveal, that I'm now a movie star for my role in the documentary American Hospitals Healing a Broken System. Last week, I can... Very humbly report that I'm also an award-winning journalist. Uh, I won a bronze Asby from the American Society of Business Publication Editors for two of my columns in HFM Magazine. (laughs) You know what? I didn't even know I was nominated. Uh, But in the immortal words of Joe Walsh, it's tough to handle this fortune and fame. Everybody's so different, but I haven't changed. So I guess I'll just have to keep on (laughs) trucking.
0: Oh, Always go back to the 70s. That's great. Thanks, Dave. And congratulations.
2: Congratulations, Dave.
0: Thanks, Dave. And thank you, Julie. That is all the time we have for today. If you'd like to learn more about the topics we discussed on today's show, please visit our website at foresighthealth.com. And don't forget to tell a friend about the Foresight Health Roundup podcast. Subscribe now. And don't miss another segment of the best 20 minutes in healthcare. Thanks for listening. I'm Dave Berta for Foresight Health.